Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to talk about a return to Disney World. Yep, I made the plunge and I actually took a trip to Disney World recently. And I wanted to share with you some of my thoughts and experiences. So the pandemic is waning to a point where I thought it was, it was comfortable for me to be able to go back to the parks. Look, everybody makes their own calculations in terms of their comfort level about traveling again and doing things and returning to what would be normal mostly. And so my decision was I was going to wait until the right time to actually go back. Now, I had thought about going several times, but the reservation system I found to be a little bit complicated, and it still was this time. I uh, decided I was going to go ahead and pick up an annual pass. Now, the only one available is the Pixie Dust Pass, which excludes weekends but does allow you a lot of flexibility in when you can go. And there's no more summer break uh, in the ability to go. Not that I would really go over the summer anyway. But as I looked at it, I was like, okay, I could do the annual pass. The cost difference to going just a couple of days is worthwhile. So I went online. I actually did the annual pass. Now, as I've told you in the past, one of the things I like to do is pay for my annual pass in uh, gift cards that I've accumulated. But again, that was a virtual impossibility online, or still, I guess, I couldn't do that. So what I did instead was I went ahead and I bought it using the monthly payment program. It's a 0% interest monthly payment that you're making. I was like, okay, so that's cool. So you put a down payment down, and then I was, gonna pl- I was planning on paying the difference in these gift cards. I just go and guest services and take care of it. And so that seemed like a pretty good idea and a good way to start. Once I had that in order, then I could go about making a reservation because no reservations until you have the ticket. (laughs) So I went ahead and looked online and was able to figure out how to get the reservation. It's actually not that hard once you've got the ticket set up. It says, do you want to make a reservation? You can go in and back and forth. Once you've linked it to your account, it's easy to go back in and, and change the reservation, make it again. So I had to actually make it and cancel it and change it several times to make it work for me just because I, I had to keep moving the date out a little bit. But uh, you're able to hold three reservations at a time. So as I picked days that I thought I was going to be able to go, I was kind of making reservations for those days and then canceling the ones that I wasn't going to be able to use and so on. And it worked out okay. It was a bit of a pain in the neck. For most of the days I selected, the only place I could actually find to get a reservation was Epcot, which was okay. Because I was getting the annual pass, I could park hop. But the rules about park hopping are you can't go to a second park until after 2 p.m. That's fine. I mean, that's okay. You know, you can still get some time in at a second park or perhaps a third or a fourth one. And I think that would work out, you know, given the fact that I'm just going back for one day anyway. I'm going to make this an easier day and just maybe stay in Epcot or just maybe go to two parks is what I'm thinking. 
So I go ahead and I, I book everything. That works out okay. I cancel, I reserve, I do whatever. And I finally uh, get to uh, get it together. Now, it's weird because I have to say that in the past, you know, growing up, I was always excited. Anytime there was a Disney day in my future, I'd get really excited. I got a little jaded once I lived there and went there all the time. And then once I moved, I moved away, back to South Florida, I would still get moderately excited when I'd go to the parks. And not like I did when I was little. It was kind of, you know, it was still kind of fun. But you had that moment of like, oh, it's excitement because I'm going to Disney World. And because I mostly did it in the spur of the moment, I didn't really have to think about doing any planning, living local. The only thing I had to worry about was a hotel room. Everything else was kind of taken care of that way. I didn't have that same level of enthusiasm or excitement, but the couple of days before, I'd be a little excited and going, okay, I'm going to go to Disney World. This is cool. And it was fun. And as I was doing this podcast and doing all these things and realized that you know some of it was like almost uh, learning exercises and trying to see something uh, and understand it in some way, it made it kind of fun. It made it kind of compelling in a way. This time, it felt completely different. It was like, you know, you, you would think about the difference between like a 100-watt light bulb and a 5-watt light bulb. I was suddenly at a 5-watt light bulb. Yeah, I'm going to Disney, and that's cool, but I don't know what to make of it. With all that's going on in the world and all that's going on at Disney and we're at the end, tail end of a pandemic, yeah, it just feels not as exciting. And with all the changes that are going on at Disney, it just made it feel like it was a little odd, and I didn't have that same level of excitement. But that's not to say I wasn't excited at all, and uh, I, I thought it was okay. So the next challenge for me was, I decided that I didn't have a physical card to get into the parks. So that's the one thing you need is a physical uh, card. So they don't give the magic bands anymore, even to pass holders, but I, uh, they do have the, the, uh, the plastic card you'll get. Now, I couldn't find any of my old plastic cards. They said in the app that a couple of them were still active and could still be used for admission. They're somewhere in the house. I looked for them. I couldn't track them down. So the problem was I had to get a physical card. And because I was going in a couple of days, there was no way for them to mail it to me, so I had to pick it up at like guest services. Hmm. That's an interesting problem. So remember that you have to go through the toll booth in order to get to guest services at any theme park. So because I the pass I have includes parking, I didn't want to have to pay for parking to go in and do that. So bear with me here for a second. So they do have a guest services over at Disney Springs. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll go over there and I'll pick up my pass there and then I can go to the theme parks. That'll work out. Also, since it's guest services, I can go ahead and pay for the remainder of my ticket and use my gift cards. Sounds good. Now, when I got to Disney Springs, Disney Springs is... Uh, I would, you know, it's not what it used to be. It's this whole, like, complex of shops and restaurants and whatever that are like any shopping mall around the United States to a large degree. Yeah, it's a little, you know, a little higher end than some places, and they've got some interesting things there. But, you know, you kind of look at it and you go, okay, it's a little, confu much like a mall, it's a little confusing where everything is and how it's laid out. So I go and I look at the map. Where's guest services? Hmm. I see guest services. I also see a Disney ticket center. Huh, which one do I need to go to? Well, it's ticket related, so I'm gonna to go to the ticket center. I go to the ticket center, I walk up, I talk to the, uh, the lady who's checking people in. She goes, yeah, I can check you in right now. What do you need? I tell her what I need. I'm going to pick up my pass and I'm gonna pay the difference. She goes, sounds good, and she puts me on the list. 
I wait in line for like 10 minutes. I get in. It's just like Disney, right? You wait in one line, then you get inside, then you wait in another line. You got the multiple queues you have to go in. Oh, it's so much like Disney. I'm so close, and yet uh, I'm not close at all. So anyway, I finally get to the attendant, the uh, cast member who helps me. He says, you want to pay your annual pass and pick it up? You don't do that here. You do that at guest services. Right, because that's obvious. I knew when they bought the ticket that they told me I'd have to go to guest services. There's a, there's a building for guest services, and there's a building for Disney tickets. How would you know which one you're supposed to go to? And the lady that was checking me in should have told me, you need to go to the other one. The cast member who was at the ticket center was nice enough to go ahead and put me on the waiting list for, the, for guest services so I could just walk over and go right in. So I go in, and they have me sit down for a few minutes, and I wait for a little bit. And, you know, they're busy. They're taking care of all the guest services needs of all these guests and whatever. That's fine. And then I get called, and wouldn't you know, it's the same lady who checked me in the first time when I walked over to the ticket window. She goes, haven't I seen you before today? I said, yeah, I was over there. And she like looked at me for a second, and then she realized that she had made a mistake. She didn't listen to what I was saying. She just wrote down whatever. You know, Otherwise, she might have told me, hey, no, you need to go to guest services, and I could have avoided that, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Not a big deal, just kind of odd and awkward. I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. Um, so anyway, I took care of it. I was able to pay it off. It was weird. One of the oddest things I've seen in a long time. She had to go between two different systems to take care of things. So she was actually writing notes on a post-it note to be able to make it work so she could go back and forth between the two systems. I'm like, how dumb is this? And then I realized, you know, when she was having trouble taking my gift cards for payment, that it makes sense because I was having trouble, obviously, paying online to do the gift card payment. So if they can't even do it at guest services easily, how could I possibly be expected to do it online? Anyway, I just thought that was kind of kind of an interesting thing. So I got my pass. It was, it was fine. And I went on my way to, uh, to Epcot. So uh, that, was, that was all good. You know, everything was, everything was fine there. I get to Epcot. Um, really, it was, there was no trouble getting in. Um, you know, it was later morning at that point. And uh, I went around and I tried to figure out how to use the My Disney Experience app to use Genie and look at what was there. And I, put in, I had put in a couple of attractions that I might want to see. So I get to the park and I open up the app. And wouldn't you know, the app wasn't working. For some reason, I was getting an error message. It was saying I had no internet connection. And I'm like, what the heck? What is going on here? And I'm assuming it had something to do with the number of people that were in that part of the park just at that moment. Um, just happened to be because it was a large crowd right up in the front. Um, so could have been that they just, for whatever reason, there was a capacity issue. A little while later, it worked just fine. It was just something, some weird glitch. But it was kind of like, wow, that's a little off-putting. And I go back into the app, and I'm like looking at the, the couple of things I picked, and there's nothing there telling me anything. It's like, you know, they're telling me that Lightning Lane is sold out for two of them. Okay, um, but here's the, you know, the wait time. Okay, but it doesn't make any suggestions. It doesn't do any planning for me. It's not doing anything. It's just coming up and bombarding me with ads every so often for, hey, well, you want to check out the vacation club? Hey, you want to make a dining reservation? Hey, you want to do, you know, after a while, it's like, why are they doing this? And so I'd look and see, you know, what the wait times were for a couple of the attractions I wanted to do. I managed to make it over to Soren. Um, that's one I'm willing to wait in line for for a while. I think the wait time was probably about 30 minutes at that point. That was great. No problem. 30 minutes? Sure. Easy. I thought about going on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure because I haven't seen it yet. And I realized that you know, it was like a 95-minute wait. 
And I started to get in line for it, and I was like, mm, maybe not. Okay, you know, 95 minutes is kind of a long time. I will do it at some point, um, just not yet. I'll, I'll get to it uh, later and uh, give it a shot and see what it's like. But I was kind of thinking about what it, you know, what it looked like and what, you know, what things are going on there. And I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of interesting how this, how this works because these wait times are so much longer because you're letting people pay to cut the line, basically. So while everything is moved back to something like it was in the early days where everything was standby, because essentially that's what it amounts to, you're letting some people cut into the standby line by paying for it. So it's like standby, but on steroids. So the wait times you know, dramatically increase along the way. And I was like, okay, you know, that's all right for me today. I, you know, I'll try and figure a, bit, a better strategy next time. The thing that I quickly started to realize was that all the muscle memory I had from everything that I knew, everything that I did, everything, all the experiences I had in my 50 years, or I guess it would be 49 years of going to Disney World, were now pretty much gone. You know, it was just that, that, that was kind of irrelevant to a large degree. I couldn't think about it the same way. Everything just felt different. Because now all of a sudden, it wasn't the same to go into the park as it was before, right? Everything, everything about visiting has changed. Yeah, there are some, some things that remain consistent and kind of looking at it abstractly from the outside, a lot of things remain the same. But when you start thinking about all the things that you know, all the, all the knowledge I gained over that long period of time just went out the window. Now we've got something new. And because Disney shifted the playing field so dramatically, there's like no easy way to go, oh, well, I can, I can manage this, I can make it work. It doesn't work like that exactly anymore. I have to kind of rethink my entire strategy on what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and how I get from point A to point B and what I do. So um, I found that app to be frustrating. As I was standing there, I heard people walking by me and you know saying the same thing, this genie thing sucks. And I have to agree, it was kind of a pain in the neck. I didn't like it very much. It was... Um, really obnoxious the way it works and it wasn't doing that much planning. It was just giving me wait times, which is fine, but not really helpful. Um, so I wound up skipping a lot of attractions. I did ride Spaceship Earth. Um, I did uh, walk around a lot, visited the countries, you know, saw a couple of the shows, whatever. Um, and, you know, it looks like a lot of things are back to something like it was before. You know, just similar, very similar in that sense where there's different things going on around different places. Um, Maybe not to the same level, but at least there's some things that you see that you kind of go, oh, that's familiar. And uh, kind of like I remember it. And that was kind of neat. And there was the uh, Flower and Garden Festival going on, so I managed to pick up a little food at a couple of booths. Now, something I don't think I've talked about in this podcast in the past is uh, somewhere during the pandemic, I switched to mostly a plant-based diet. And um, I do eat some fish but uh, mostly plant-based. And as I looked at what was, you know, what the offerings were at a lot of these booths, you know, some of them looked familiar to me and probably were things that I've eaten in the past uh, at, you know, Flower and Garden or Food and Wine or something. And they were good, you know, a lot of them were good dishes, but now I don't eat most of them. So my, the number of things that I could eat was very limited in that sense. Um, it was all the stuff that I found was really good and I enjoyed it, but it was just interesting how it kind of changed. And I had to kind of shift my mindset because I hadn't really thought about that going in. I was like, oh, food, and, you know, flower and garden festival. Great. I'll find some nice things. That's great. But it wasn't quite the same. It was just kind of a weird moment when I was like, huh, okay. Um, as we change and, you know, we, we, uh, change ourselves and we find different tastes and things we like, I was like, oh, wow, interesting. So anyway, 
uh, went about my day, had some fun for a little while, and then decided... The other thing I noticed was the park was fairly crowded, um, as I expected. And I was like, well, you know, it's after 2 o'clock. Maybe I'll head over to the Magic Kingdom for a little while. I haven't been to the Magic Kingdom in two and a half years either, and that was the one that started it all, so why don't I go? So I had my 50th anniversary moment. As I was walking through, as I was riding over on the monorail, actually, I started thinking about the fact that um, we visited for the first time in the spring of 1972, at some point, probably April or May is my guess, probably. So essentially, I was going on my 50th anniversary of having visited Walt Disney World, and that was kind of cool in its own strange way, uh, just being able to go in and see it that way. You know, now it was 50 years later for me, and that was kind of kind of an interesting moment when I thought about it. Um, it didn't have much emotional connection to me other than that, though. I walked in, and it was very crowded. And uh, it was, you know, it was very, it was very warm, and I found myself getting really tired very quickly. I used to be able to go, you know, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go for thirteen hours. Yes, I'm older, I know that, and yes, other things have changed too. But it was just kind of, it felt kind of weird. It was a weird mix of things that were going on between me, me being tired and me seeing things differently. That it just felt different. Everything about it just felt a little different uh, as far as that goes. And I was getting more and more fatigued and uh, not feeling it the same way. But I, you know, I kind of persevered and enjoyed myself and watched a few things and, you know, the Magic Kingdom saw, you know, saw things going on. Um, I decided to, uh, to ride the People Mover because that's always a blast. Um, I just, I just like that attraction. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I went into the Enchanted Tiki Room. Um, you know, always a fun, fun lark to just go in there and they both had short waits. What I was noticing was, again, wait times were ridiculous in, for a lot of attractions. And, you know, had I been maybe a little less tired, maybe a little more um, engaged in the moment, I might not have minded waiting in lines for some of these things. It's just, you know, you reach a point where you feel like, you know, you know how the park is supposed to work and it doesn't work like that anymore. And it takes some adjusting to get back to sort of that time frame of understanding how long it takes to do stuff and what... Uh, what it what it is and you know kind of getting used to going around the parks in a, in a certain way to, to try to get it at one point I noticed that the Haunted Mansion was nearly a 45 minute wait mo- most of the time I was there I noticed that it dropped to 30 minutes and I was like okay great I'm gonna run over the Haunted Mansion and I got over to the Haunted Mansion and the lady's holding up a sign that says 55 minutes and sure enough the app had just updated because a bunch of people saw that it was 30 minutes and was now 55 minutes and I went Oh man, that sucks. So um, wound up not seeing that this time. But again, I'll see it the next time I go. Um, it's that foray into it for the first time to try to get used to the idea of what it's going to be like. So now I can start preparing myself for it and getting the strategy. You read about it, and until you actually really get into it or experience it, you really don't know. I mean, I heard some people that were frustrated because they couldn't see this or couldn't do that. Um, and it was hot and it was crowded and it was, you know, it was a challenge. So just really, you know, interesting, had a good time, uh, wandered around a little bit after I finished in the Magic Kingdom, I went ahead and uh, just headed back to Epcot uh, and headed out. Um, I'd had my fill of a day. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was shorter than I ever have had in the parks, relatively speaking, um, you know, at least in recent memory, but it was like, I can't, I just couldn't do anymore. Um, you know, just sort of physically demanding and sort of exhausting in its own way, you know, sort of the mental capacity there as you're looking at the app and you're trying to figure out what to do and where do I want to go. 
because yeah, I had a strategy when, before they had FastPass. Then I had a strategy when they had FastPass. And now I have to have a whole new strategy. And I can't wrap my head around that strategy just yet. I will eventually, but I can't just yet. I'll figure it out at some point. But it's a, uh, it's really kind of uh, kind of an interesting time. I'm, you know, I, I think it's I think it's okay. I think everything was good. Um, I did enjoy being there, um, being back. Uh, it was kind of fun. But I'm kind of like, you know, like I said, I'm not. I didn't have that level of excitement, and that troubles me a little bit. Maybe it'll come back as you know I get back into it. The one weird thing for me personally. Everyone chooses what they want to do at this point as far as the pandemic's concerned. And I chose to wear a mask whenever I was indoors, in a queue, or around a large number of people. So, um, you know, basically I would have it off the rest of the time while I was just wandering around outside. And it was weird to me personally just seeing that very few people were wearing masks, but some people were certainly and some cast members were, and it was sort of this mix of things that was going on. You know, no big deal either way. People choose what they're gonna what they're gonna do. I'm not passing judgment. It's you know up to each of you to decide what's right for you. Um, it's just it was just strange to uh, to have to experience it sort of like that, right? It kind of adds to the complexity of everything that's going on because we are still in the midst of a pandemic at this point. You know, so it's kind of a kind of a weird thing. Um, just to, just to realize that, but that was it. You know, I just, that was just my take on it. Uh, everybody, you know, like I said, you do what you, you, what you think is right, but that was my trip into, uh, Walt Disney World and, uh, kind of enjoying myself and kind of experiencing it firsthand now that they've changed some of the rules and rules of the road and it feels different, but I enjoyed myself and I look forward to my next trip at some point, whenever that comes to pass. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation right at the start of everything that's new one little spark lights up for you for my one little spark segment today i'll keep it short and to the point 18 months ago or so we had an insurrection an insurrection is defined as a violent uprising against an authority or government the attack on the Capitol was nothing short of that. That's what it was. There was an election. Someone was upset because he lost the election. That was free and fair. And started all kinds of nonsense. From all the documents we've learned to this point, we know that there was a plan to actually overthrow the government, to actually undo the election, to perhaps create a new election with some different oversight into it, to try and make the outcome different. And that, by definition, is insurrection. Uh, the other part to it is you could make the logical argument that there was sedition that happened. In the U.S. Code of Law, there is a specific code, Chapter 115, which is about treason, sedition, and subversive activities. The section about rebellion and insurrection is interesting. It reads, whoever incites, sets on foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States, or the laws thereof, or gives aid and comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years, or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. 
There's also a section on seditious conspiracy that warrants a mention. It reads, if two or more persons in any state or territory or any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title and imprisoned not more than 20 years, or both. So the reality is, there was an insurrection that happened on January 6, 2021. You, you can argue some of the finer points, I'll, I'll agree with you there. But the reality was, there was an attempt. There was actually some conspiracy to overthrow the government, to actually undo an election and put in a new election mechanism, or to seize voting machines, or to simply overthrow and change the outcome of the election through this means of having some vote and uh, undermining the, the integrity of the elections and saying they wanted to throw out some of the votes and so on. That was a seditious conspiracy. And certainly, the people that attacked the Capitol have to be held accountable for their actions, every single one of them. But the government officials, those elected and appointed, need to also be held accountable. And we cannot rest until every single one of them is held to account for their actions. Be they the person who resided in the Oval Office, be they someone on the Supreme Court, be they a congressman, a senator, anything else, any other position in government, those people need to be held completely accountable for their actions on that day. And I'm not talking about this in a political sense. This is not about political retribution. This is about the free and fair elections. This is about our Constitution and understanding what our Constitution means to us, that we all have inalienable rights and that we have to abide by the Constitution at all times. No one is above the law. No one can go around it and decide, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just undo this election and do the things I want to do. That's not how this works. That's not how democracy works. And if we want our democracy to succeed and flourish, we have to hold every single person, everyone, from the person who attacked and went into the Capitol to the person who planned the whole operation, every single one of them needs to be held to account for their actions. And that's it. You know, we're, we're 18 months out now. It's time for people to be completely accounted for and make sure that they are properly tried in a court of law, that we do the right things. This is not about witch hunt. This is about doing the right things to protect and preserve the Constitution, which is what it's all about. If you don't do that, then we're in this position where our Constitution just doesn't matter anymore. And what's the point? So this is the issue. So I just want you to remember that as you think about things that are happening around us and understand that this is the time when every single person, everyone, needs to be held accountable. Plain and simple. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, 
one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.